35-31, Colorado falls in a heartbreaker at the Rose Bowl. Really outplayed the UCLA Bruins today, but again, cannot find a way to beat that quality Pac-12 opponent. Adam Munster, Tiger Publisher at BuffStampede.com. Here at the Blake Street Tavern with fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin and staff writer Patrick Gidosi. Guys, I mean, we watched this game together. Uh, Heartbreaker is the first word that comes to mind when I think about this game. We've seen this play out before, but just you look at the stats, the team stats, and you just can't fathom the fact that Colorado actually lost this football game. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can go with this game. I mean, there's a lot of emotions involved for sure. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, yeah, nothing's changed in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, we were down 15, I think, right, going into the fourth quarter or 12. But I think after that field goal, we give ourselves a chance to win. I'm not really sure you, out of all the things I would freak out about, the, how we played in the fourth quarter would be the one to do it. I mean, I think you see the same kind of costly things that have hurt us in the past. On defense, you play well for 95% of the snaps and give up huge, crucial, big-time plays on the other 5%. I mean, they scored so quickly on a lot of those drives. I mean, it just really crushes you, especially when you're trying to get momentum. And I think the other thing is we just we had a chance to go up double digits, two, two possessions there late in fourth again, and they weren't able to get it done for the third game in a row. Patrick, you shared an interesting nugget here before we went went live uh, in terms of what, what Colorado accomplished today in the loss. Yeah, the Buffs, um, I just read the Buffs one, ran the most plays in regulation in FBS history at, I believe, 115. Some places have it at 114. I haven't verified that yet, but either way, it's a record. So uh, I, it's, hard, it's hard to say, you know, the, the Buffs, they play ball on offense. They move the ball between the 20s. Uh, it, it came down to executing in the red zone in the first half. They, they put themselves behind the eight ball, and they managed to come back, but it, it proved to be too much to overcome. And uh, as we've seen the past few games, they... This offense has a tough, tough time moving the ball late when it really, really matters. When they can put, when they can put a distance between themselves and their opposition. And you know, the beginning of the game was probably more frustrating. It's hard, like, like Tyler said, it's hard to get mad at what happened in the fourth quarter um, when you put yourself in a hole like that. But it, it really is, you know, this, this offense came to play. The defense came to play, minus those explosive plays that kill them every week, and it just wasn't enough at the end of the day. Tyler, you touched on this a little bit. The fact that they just they can't find a way to get that two possession advantage over an opponent and. There's a couple things. They got the long conference losing streak off their back last week. And you kind of looked at, at least I looked at these last five games and I said, you want to find a way in one of these five to beat a quality Pac-12 opponent. That would be the next step forward for this program. And another like smaller part of that for this program to move forward has to be when you get the ball back, you have a lead, yet they had a three-point lead in the fourth quarter. You've got to put the game out of reach. You have to. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's so frustrating because I feel like our offense is kind of set up for failure in that regard a little bit. It's it's a lot more successful when you're behind because teams don't want you to, they're not going to allow you to have big plays. We like to throw quick passes, you know, running the ball, chuck our way down the field. It's hard to do when you're winning. I mean, because, you know, teams are, you know, doing everything they can to stop you at that point. They're not trying yeah. to lag off on big plays. So those ex those extended drives become a little more difficult to score on when you have the lead. I think they have to find a way to switch up what they do in those types of situations, and they haven't done that so far. For me. 
obviously the biggest negative play, obviously the, the 96 yard interception return for a touchdown in the first half. The Grant Watanabe face mask, face mask penalty was kind of costly, but Colorado still had that chance to come back and win at the end. Uh, those are a couple plays that stand out to me. Anything else? When you, you look back at this game, plays that really stand out to you, Patrick? Uh, that jet sweep on a second down before the pick kind of set up them being in that situation. Uh, there, that, at that point, Lingwin had discovered that running the ball straight up and down, north and south, works pretty well. And then I don't know why a sweep was ran in that position. Uh, forced them to throw from, I can't remember how far they had to go to the end zone there. Um, so that kind of hurt them. Uh, obviously, you want Devin Ross to make that catch in the end zone. That's, that's a ball you got to have no matter what. Even though the defender was on him, you got to catch that. Um, and uh, otherwise, you know, they, they started capitalizing in the second half. And uh, it's, it's just not enough. Yeah, I was going to say both the Devin Ross plays. I mean, both of those yeah. definitely could have been touchdowns yeah. if he yeah. you know, adjusted to the ball and made the play that was necessary. Um, to me, beyond that, it was we already talked about this, just kind of extending that lead. You have to find a way to do it. It's not one specific play. You just have to find a way. Colorado with 34 first downs, UCLA with only 16. Colorado 554 total yards, UCLA with 400. The bus with 242 yards on the ground. And time of possession, Colorado 41 minutes and 5 seconds to UCLA's 18 minutes and 55 seconds. That's efficient. Yeah, I mean, you read that off and again, <laughs> nine times out of a ten, maybe even more than that, maybe 98 times out of 100, you read that stat line and the first team I read off there would be the winning team. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of that also has attributed to the fact of how quickly UCLA scored though, as well. I mean, you know, they had a one-play drive, 85-yard touchdown run. The one they scored on in the fourth quarter was like 27 seconds long. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, the numbers look good, but not when you add in the fact that they're scoring touchdowns on all those short drives as well. It's just one of those things that numbers don't always tell you exactly what's going on. But, yeah, I mean, we dominated the ball for sure, but, I mean, once, if you do that, you have to find ways to put the ball in there. So we really need to do that. Again, Buff Stampede Radio here from the Blake Street Tavern where we all watched the game today. Blake Street Tavern, of course, is, is our favorite spot to go during CU games. I had a great uh, chili cheese fries, Patrick. I mean, phenomenal. They're, they're phenomenal. Some of the best in Denver. Yeah. If you're a CU fan and you haven't gotten down here yet, you really need to. It's a great game day atmosphere. This place was ready to erupt at yeah. Colorado. Found a way to <laughs> yes. win this football game. Brutal. I threw it out there to CU fans on Twitter to throw us some comments, some questions, and so I'm going to go ahead and read off some of those and we can kind of move along here with the show here. At Jack Barsh, his comment or his question was, why does this team constantly rip my heart out and crush it with hammers? <laughs> Good question, Jack. <laughs> I liken it to that, that there's such a tease in some of these games. I liken it to the girl that lets yeah. you get to third base, but ne never, never all the way. Yes, yeah, this is the problem with getting better or making progress, as they say. That 2012 season was so much easier when every game was over before the game even started. You could just yeah, walk in yeah. there and know that we were going to lose by 60 points. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, it's just so brutal. I mean, the thing, the thing that makes it so brutal for me is that's a program-changing win. You went at a ranked opponent in the Pac-12. You're at five and four. I mean, I don't necessarily say that a bowl game is within reach, but I mean, people are still talking about that. When now, the 2015 season is a success, without question, if they win, win today. Oh, for sure, absolutely, and that's a big deal. But I think it's also a program changer. Not only are you beating a, game, a team on the road, you're in Los Angeles beating a team that a lot of these kids that we're recruiting is coming from. You beat a team in LA, people start to talk about you out there. That's just the way it is. And if we had found a way to do that, I think really we would have seen a train of people trying to come play Colorado in the next couple of years. 
Patrick, what can you tell Jack Barsh? He needs some, yeah. some words of encouragement right <laughs> no, now. You, you come into this game, a game like this, as a fan, and you're kind of prepared. You're like, okay, they're probably going to lose. UCLA has a lot of talent. Um, and the spread was 23, which was too high, and a lot of people called that out. But uh, And then they rope you in immediately from the start. Like, oh, the Buffs are here. They're playing. Like it's, it's, They're in this game. And then they, right after roping you in, proceed to shoot themselves in the foot in the most agonizing way as possible. So that leads to crushed hearts with hammers when they're in a game like this the whole way. And like Tyler said, because you, you can that when they went up 31-28, you start to think of all that a win would mean. You start to think of what it would be like to be 5-4 and four and what it would be like to have two Pac-12 wins on the road in consecutive weeks to beat a team on the road for the first time. But obviously all of that gets ripped away real quickly when um, UCLA goes down and scores. So, And it's, it's tough. It's, it's really tough when they rope you in like that and then crush you. With it being Halloween, Colorado apparently dressed up as Thor today. <laughs> the hammer drop. Yes, it did. Final score 35-31. We all, in our, our pregame score predictions, we're predicting a more lopsided game than this, obviously. I feel if I had predicted a 35-31 loss, I would have been called a homer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's the most frustrating thing about it is, in hindsight, right, I mean, like, no one expected us to play this well, but you look at how we lost, and there are just so many opportunities for that not to have occurred. It's just tough to see. I mean, this is probably the third game this year we could have won in, in conference. Yeah. Um, and to, to always come out on the wrong side of that, it feels like, is frustrating because, you know, there's there's something to be said about being close, but we've been close for 18 months now, yeah. it seems like. I mean, you, at some point, you just have to find a way to get over the Moral victories, morale victories, however you want to say it, those those are not accepted anymore. We're, we've clearly moved past that point. Going back to Twitter, at Barrel07 has the comment, I could not be more proud. We are without a doubt moving in the right direction. Yeah, they definitely moving in the right direction. But again, you got to capitalize. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's just really no other way to put it. I mean, we talked about this a lot last year when people were a little more high on how the season went than me because we didn't find a way to win a game. Obviously, we did find a way to win a game this year, but we're still leaving a lot of opportunities out there on the field. And I mean, this, I don't know, this one in particular, man, how different would the tone be if we won this game the rest of the way? Dramatically. At Oklahoma Buff asks, who is the head coach of this team, Mac or Cepho? Is this because Cepho demanded to stay in there at the end? Yeah, I mean, he's tough, man. I mean, do we, let's be honest, do we really think Kate Amsay is going in there with an 80-yard touchdown drive for, for the win? Y'all should have seen my reaction. Face. Do we really think that's going to happen? Like, are we that desperate that we're like, yeah, Kate Amsay, would, 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 that would have happened? Like, we don't really think that would have happened, right? And the, the interception, I don't think was because Sefco was hurt. It was a rushed decision. It was just yeah, a bad decision. Yeah. They have to make plays. I mean, you have to. I mean, there's. Yes, he threw an interception. It was a bad throw. But you're not going to run down the field with a minute left to score without taking chances. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Another comment. Uh, at Ian Harden 22. That's what we call the Sefco factor. If we're playing the blame game. I mean, there's certainly blame on Cepho, but I don't know if the majority of it is. Yeah, I mean, I equal share. Maybe? It, it was a bad throw. The one in the first half was a really bad throw. Yeah, yeah. But we shouldn't have been in that position, anyways. I mean, if Brian Lindgren doesn't, you know, start playing with Barbie dolls and act real cute on that drive, we probably have a touchdown. <laughs> we don't have to worry about it. So, I mean, yeah, it's frustrating because he's been avoiding those kind of mistakes. 
and he by and large played pretty well today outside of once again the two costly mistakes. It was kind of like last year's Seffo. It was exactly yeah. like last yeah, year's Seffo. Compared to this year's Seffo. And I don't know which one people are more frustrated by, but it seems to me that no one's super happy with either of them at this point. Yeah. At Lane Karsh, what do you think about clearly Sefo being clearly hurt and waving Apsay off the field? Sefo was not 100%. It cost us a better chance at a win. We basically just answered that question. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add Kate, there? I don't want Kate Apsay in a two-minute drill, and I don't think anyone else wants to see that either. I mean, that's being thrown in like that, I don't think it would have worked out well. I think you still want Sefo in there. He's the leader of this team. He knows what he's doing, even if he's hurt. Yeah, I think it's convenient for people to blame his injury on how that drive went. I mean, it's, he looked just fine on the two throws previously that were huge to get us down to midfield, so... At CD O'Neill 428 has a, a statement here. If someone complains about play calling, they are stupid. <laughs> okay, well, I'm really stupid. <laughs> so are you, and so is Patrick. So, um, yeah, that's a questionable statement. I'll say that's a questionable statement. The, uh, the play calling did improve, though, after those first. The first quarter was kind of frustrating, and then they started to run the ball well between the tackles. There were a couple drives where they were gashing them, so there was improvement made. There were still some critical errors made in key spots. Yeah, I, I said at halftime, after that drive and starting the third quarter, that clearly Max sat down, lingered in a quiet, dark room, and beat him into a pulp, tied him to a chair real quick, and said, listen, <laughs> everybody in America is watching us run all over this team. Can we please stop it? And yeah, so I mean, it was better in the second half, but it would have been hard not to be. Right. Our boy, at L underscore Rod, if this is Levitt's defense in first year, what's the potential ceiling for the defense going forward? Have they ever erected a statue of a defensive coordinator? Because I think I if, get first. I mean, obviously not anytime soon, but if, if it continues, I don't even know, man. I mean, this defense looks pretty good with some really young, really unathletic linebackers playing, and. You know, we've had injuries at safety. I mean, Ako played for the first time in a while today. We were bringing walk-ons on the trip. You don't have Evan White. Um, Ryan Muller's obviously out. He's arguably our best secondary player, I mean, outside of Chio. Um, so to me, you get a healthy team with more than six months to learn this defense. It could be pretty good in a couple of years. This and then you factor in Levitt recruiting, the kind of athletes he's going to be able to go out and get. Uh, the ceiling is really high. I mean, if you can do this with this, like Cheeto is, is an incredible athlete. If you can get more guys like Cheeto and then Tedrick, you know, it's, the ceiling is way up there for this defense going forward. And one of the best signs that the ceiling is way up there is when you talk to Jim Levitt about his defense and he's so unsatisfied with what they've done this year. He has no concept of where this defense was before he got here. He really has no idea. I just don't think he cares. That's the best yeah, part about yeah. it. He literally doesn't care. Like, I don't care if you gave up 100 points a game last year. You're not going to do that for me. Yeah. So that's what I love about it. I mean, I think so. we really only gave up 28 today because obviously we had to pick six. But the 35 is still the lowest we've given up all year outside of Oregon State in conference play, right? And, I mean, I don't think he would have said that going into UCLA. I mean, they're a really dynamic offense with a really, really good quarterback and a really, really, really good running back. So to me, I mean, even even if you had given up 35 on your own, I wouldn't have been too disappointed with that. Really, we only gave up 28 because of the turnovers. The best part about it was the pressure that he was able to dial up as well, especially on third down. Um, the Buffs got pressure on Rosen in key situations, which is really promising. That's something this defense has lacked. So if Levitt can keep bringing blitzes like that, then this defense is in pretty good shape. I like him being a coordinator to, to being a chess player, and I would never want to play chess against Jim Levin. 
he dials he dials up those blitzes at, at the perfect time. There's there's a lot of commentary here on my uh, notifications about people really upset. We got to go back to this topic because I see it just trending all up and down my notifications. People they see Sefo was hurt and they they really think that he should not have been out there at the end of the game after he injured his, his arm. I mean he's tough man. He has been all the way. I mean they they keep putting him out there and he you know he wants to play and. I mean, I don't think the coaching staff is highly excited about giving Kate Absey the reins there. So, I mean, anything that you can do to convince them that Sefo can get on the field, I think they're going to do it. I mean, I know everybody is super high on Kate Absey now because he threw two complete passes against Nickel State or whatever it was. But I just, I don't know, dude. The, the phenomenon of the backup quarterback is something that has never, I've never understood why everyone loves the backup quarterback so much. Like, these guys coach football for a reason. We cover this team. Everybody who's watched practice knows that he's nowhere as good as Seppo. So I don't know why we keep talking about it. But I, I'm, I'm not sure I'd fixate on that last drive either. I said to these guys at the table, when, when they got the ball, I was like, I don't trust this offense to make this happen here. They just don't. Like we mentioned earlier, they're just not built to do that. It's, it's not something that's easy for them. And if, if the best player, Sefo, can't get it done, I don't think a backup would have much better chance. You could question whether Sefo has the so-called clutch gene, though, at, at this point, because he has had a, a fairly sizable sample of attempts at game-winning drives throughout yeah. his career here, and they've never been able to capitalize on any of those. Aside from, I guess you could say the Cal tying the game up to Bice Bobo was maybe one situation. But that was just a force overtime. I mean, we've, we've came back and taken the lead late in fourth quarters a couple times and just, just to have the defense come back down and score and retake the lead as well. I mean, he, he's definitely brought us back in fourth quarters. Yeah, on the last drive, he hasn't been that successful. But I, I don't know, is there really that much of a difference between the last drive and the third to last drive where he, where he does get the score? I, I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, you know, you could say he's not clutch fine. I guess I, can, you know, I can't really argue against that. But I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that we're just not better than any other teams we're playing. I, mean, I still think that that remains a fact. So, yes. Daniel Glantz on Twitter, talking about Seppo, he says his right arm was dangling. I mean, it's tough to really know exactly what happened to Seppo. I think it'll be a little bit more clear when we find out from the medical people. Was it a, was it a separated shoulder or what was happening there? Um, yeah, I mean, he was holding his hand after yeah. the interception at the end. I don't know if that happened on that play or if that's what was bothering him from the beginning. But it was hard to tell yeah. what was going on there. At J underscore Feller, would you rather have a tough but terrible quarterback or a brittle but effective one? Can a brittle wow. quarterback be effective? Yeah, yes. Let's, yeah, let's go talk to Utah State about Chucky e. Keaton. What about this offensive line also? I mean, yeah. do you want a brittle quarterback behind this line? I don't think so. You know, you know, I, mean, do I, I want neither. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a loaded I mean, if, question. If I have to have one, I guess I'd prefer the guy that that makes it so that I don't have to play my backup. Right. If, if I had to pick between the two, I mean, that would be my answer. Zeppo ended up uh, 37 of 57 passing for 312. No touchdowns, two interceptions. Could have easily had two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to know, someone look up, look this up for me on Twitter. Is that the most pass attempts ever without a touchdown? It's got to be pretty close. That would be know. an interesting stat. That would take some research. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, I would assume it's close. Yeah. Maybe if we we're going to do a game ball here, even though it was a loss, I think Patrick Carr gets it, right? 19 carries, 100 yards, his first 100-carry game, one touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, and it took about 
85 of those yards before people stopped screaming that Philip Lindsay wasn't playing. I was like, <laughs> every single running back is getting eight yards. Like, why are we crying? We're <laughs> marching down the field. Philip Lindsay, what did he do? Oh my God! Oh, touchdown! Maybe I should stop complaining about it. The uh, the Kyle Lindsay Lee rotation was very effective today, uh, and Kyle really showed us something. I think he's he's going to be one to watch in the future. He's going to really help this team. But all three of those guys had good days. Um, yeah. Carr had the best day. So. Yeah, I think Lee. I really like Lee too, man. He's tough. He ran. He's get those tougher hard than I thought. Thought he was capable yeah, of being. And, and he's really effective on third down. Like they need to utilize him better on third down because it seems like every time we're in third and short, he makes that play. He's pretty, ver he's pretty versatile. Yeah, he, he needs more touches for me. So yes, Philip Lindsay's good. I think with Atkins out, he's our probably our best back. But it's not like we were going to somebody that wasn't effective tonight. Well, he wasn't throwing Christian Powell out there 25 times for two yards. I mean, how many carries did he have? Four. That was refreshing. Three, to see. three carries yeah. for Christian Powell yeah. today. So they went with the guys that were working. I don't. I don't really see. I'm not going to complain about. Well, with this game in particular, Patrick Carr averaged 5.3 yards per carry, Donovan okay. Lee 4.8 uh, yards per carry, and Philip Lindsay an even four. Yeah. So, I will say I was kind of in, in in the camp going into this game of wanting to see Philip Lindsay as the feature back out there more at the start of every series and then getting breathers here and there. But you can't argue with the results of what happened today. I I think, and and what's changed my thought process is the fact that Patrick Carr. Looks like he's gotten over kind of that freshman hump of being a little tentative when he gets the ball, being a little apprehensive. Today, he got it and went, ran downhill, very decisive. Petrikar looked good at times. He showed his, his speed earlier in the season, but I didn't really see that decisiveness until today. To me, uh, are, are we 100% sure that Lindsey can be an every-down guy? I mean, he's still small. Like, he's very tough. I'll give him that, obviously, but I don't know if I trust him to get 25 carries a game. I just don't think that's realistic for him right now. He's got to get bigger, so to me, maybe he should get the most carries. I'll buy that on any given day, more or less, but today, there were other people that were effective as well. Like, there are plenty of things to complain about in terms of how our offense was operating in the first half. That To me, that was not one. I think Petrikar did enough today that you go into the next game and try to make him your feature back on some level. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think he's going to get way more looks. He's probably the most effective with his speed. He's, he's maybe the fastest back. I mean, Donovan Lee's pretty fast in space, but uh, I'd, I'd, we'd all love to see more Patrick Carr run like that. So we'll see if he's if he's past the freshman hump there. Now we should mention UCLA has been giving up more than 200 yards per game on the ground this season. So not one of the better run defenses in the league. They've been you know depleted with injuries there. So it's still got to be proven over. I think a, a longer course of time here. Let's go back to Twitter. A lot of questions coming in here now. I have a quick question. Do, sure. you, have, do you have up how many carries Sefo finished with? 15. 15, so he hit the over. On, yeah, on, he set it at 14. Set it at hit 14. Hit the over at 15. Yeah. Um, and they all were fairly successful. Um, you know, you wouldn't obviously want to have your quarterback carry it that much, but it worked. Got got it done what they needed to do. So Devin Ross did finish with 101 yards. Oh, I didn't know. Well, he had what 78 of them on one play. <laughs> hey, 62. Doubt it was 62. Nelson yeah. Spruce, 11 catches today. How many yards? 90 yards. Ah, man, he is, he is now the uh, Pac-12's all-time leader in receptions. I was yeah, kind of joking with Patrick. It's like, you look at those conference like all-time leaders, and it's usually not the guys you expect because the guys you would expect are Gone. leaving yeah. early for the NFL. Yeah. Nothing against Nelson Spruce and what he's done, but yeah. he's not obviously not the best. He's probably not even in the top 10 in, in conference history in terms of receivers. Oh, yeah. No, he's not. I, I, I think he would admit that. Everybody would admit that. But it's still an amazing stat. I mean, something that's really cool for him in the program. I mean, 
uh, you know, he's he's a stud, man. I mean, he's going to be. People want to knock on him and say that he's not going to make it in the league, but I'd be very surprised if he's not a solid position receiver at the next level. So, at yeah. Barrel07 chimes back in. He says, Adam, I really hope you didn't give time to these pathetic comments about Zepho. Well, too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we answered them in the way that you would like those. It's okay. fair. Yeah, so it's fair. Good. It's fair. At Bromar07, I think we found our running back combo in Lee and Carr. Better vision and slippery thoughts. Well, we no, already kind of talked yeah, about that. I mean, we have a three, three running back. They're combo. all good. I don't understand why we have yeah. to make one better than the other. They're all yeah. good. That was a big bright spot. At Alex KW Schultz, what's the biggest reason why this team still can't finish? They don't know how. And they're just, frankly, not as good as the other team in a lot of situations. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, you know, I think it was halftime of the Arizona game, or maybe it was after the Arizona game. And I think you might have been there, Patrick, when, when Neil Welk, who we love for CUBuffs.com, came over. And he, he said, guys... It's not a te- it's not a coaching issue at this point. He said it's not about the X's and O's. Yeah, that. yeah, same deal. And you know what's true is in pregame you go, would I take CU's personnel at this position or the opposition? And you go down the line. And how many times are you going to say not CU's? Not a lot. I mean, that's the thing for me is winning. People say winning is a mentality, which is totally true. But so is losing. You. You have to find a way to get over that. Like people who lose that many consecutive games and have been doing this all throughout college, it's hard to break that mold. Just like it is winning. People talk about all oh, your clutch or whatever. A lot of the times, it's are you better than the team you're playing? And if the answer is yes, you're going to win more times than not. And if the answer is no, you're not going to win as many times as 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 you would like to see. I mean, it's not a 50-50 proposition. Are you better? No or yes? And if it's yes, you're more likely to win. I mean, that's. So people try to make it such a bigger, you know, like there's so many ways people try to peg it one way or the other. It's really just, are you better? And if you're not, it's tougher. That being said, it's they are so close, and it's like they have like enough guys, and it's just the, that one play eludes them. It's, it's cliche to say this, and everyone hates hearing this term, but like the little things, man. Like there's a few little things here and there that go one way or the other, and it changes it for the buffs. So they just still aren't aren't quite there when it really counts. Here's a statement from at Judy Brickman. This is the best game that CU has played in five years, in spite of the final score. Cut some slack for crying out loud. I actually agree with that 100%. Yeah. On the field, like how the, how the players played today, that's the best I've seen this team look in a really long time. Like they legitimately deserve to beat a team that's ranked. Yes. The UCLA is legitimate talent across the board. That was an impressive performance on the road against now, a really now, team. They didn't get good UCLA today. No, they did that's not. That's okay. But they I got mean, the UCLA they got. <laughs> I, I mean, can you think of another game off the top of your head that you would have said we played better in the last few years? I mean, Please don't say obviously Nickel State we're not gonna No, against Pac twelve competition? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, we beat Cal we're coming up blank so far. We beat I'm Cal back in the brain. Italy twenty thirteen, but yeah. I mean, that team wasn't very good. So probably At their home, best performance as a me- in a conference game. game as a member of the Pac twelve? That's least, an arguably fair statement. Yeah, I mean, at least under McIntyre, for sure. For sure. I mean, well, definitely under Embry, because well, their the win was the Washington had, State. That was, well, 2011. Two, yeah, they had two conference wins or whatever, but... That was a know, different I mean, team. 
You had 28 seniors that year. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Arizona we talked about that in the article a little bit. I mean, I think part of, part of knowing how to win is having guys who have been on the field for a long time. And despite everybody using that, oh, we're finally experienced and all that. And we talked about a little bit in the article earlier this week that I'm sure a lot of you guys read. It's just not true yet. It's not true yet. Even next year it will be more true, but we're still going to be probably middle of the road in the conference in terms of seniors, especially ones that play. Right. So... At Jimmy Wood, CU, Tyler Ziskin's buddy has a statement. Uh, can we, or a question, can we please talk about Brian Lindgren? Yes, we can. He's got to go, man. I just, you. Now, I asked you before the final drive if they go down and score here, would you take it back about Brian Lindgren? And you said yes. Yeah. So it comes down to that drive for you in terms of your thought process. Yeah, I mean, just because of the outcome, how it changes the program. I mean, would I still would I be mad if they got rid of him after we beat, won that game? No. But to me, there's been too many games that he's holding us back. Whether it be vanilla play calling or just dialing up a ridiculous play call at the most inopportune time. I mean, like, we are pounding the rock. And you run a jet sweep or you run a quadruple reverse pass back to you know, like whatever the heck that thing was. Like, just do what's working, man. It's making it so much more difficult than it needs to be. It seems like. But and you're you're not giving you're you're not giving him credit for the things that do go right. You're more looking up through a negative lens. That's yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna deny that. <laughs> but I mean, at some point, when he's being talked about as the reason that we're not winning football games multiple times in a row, there's got to be something that's going on. I mean, something's got to change. At Alex K. W. Schultz, Seppo Lufau, tough or selfish in that situation? I'll lean towards tough. Uh, both, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. He's the starting quarterback here at football team. He's the leader. He should be selfish. He wants the ball. That's what you want. Yeah. What would be uh, interesting probably. is if Colorado legitimately had a backup quarterback that could run two minute and lead this team to a win, and Cepho demanded to stay in at that point, then maybe you could kind of start to lean towards the selfish side. I mean, if they had another guy that was capable of winning that football game in that situation. Because I mean, they, they, they don't. They have, they have guys that will not let him on the field. You know what I mean? Like, if the coaching staff really wanted him to not be on the field, he wouldn't have been on the field. So, to me, like, I still, even if they say you're not going back in, I want him to want to go back in. Absolutely. Right. Okay, that's fair enough. At J underscore Feller. Okay, this he's just responding to some other stuff we already touched on. <laughs> Here we go. I expect this from Matt CU Goose. Who gets guard minutes off the bench for Tad? <laughs> I thought, I thought yeah. we were talking about cross country, James. Um, <laughs> guard minutes off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Okay, Xavier Tall. And Thomas Akizili probably going to get a, a few minutes here or there. I mean, we're going to use a lot of forwards this year. I'm, I guess it depends on what you view Trey Sean Fletcher and Josh Fortune as. If you want to call them guards, I mean, one of the two probably isn't going to start, I would think. Um, but to me, they're more threes than twos. It just depends on how you look at it. Our buddy Jake from BSN Denver, bsnbuffs.com, he's got two questions. Number one, is there a tougher quarterback than Cepho. Mike McIntyre said that he's never coached a quarterback tougher than Cepho. I know personally I've never covered a quarterback tougher than Cepho, and I can't think of a quarterback that I've ever watched tougher than Cepho Lufau. Yeah, I mean... It's the one thing you'll never, ever be able to question about him. No. 
in the college game, I've not seen anyone tougher. Number two, this one's for Tyler. How does Zisk feel about the rest of the season after today? Good question. Good question, Jay. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I was always kind of in between the four to five win threshold for me anyway. So if, if it was up to me, McIntyre's coming back next year. Um, I think I think he's done enough to show progress. I know people don't want to hear that anymore, but I think it's true. Based on what I had in the article, I think going through another transition class, especially with the guys that we have coming in right now, is only going to do a detriment to the program going forward. You would have to really convince me that he has somebody lined up that we know for sure can be more successful than McIntyre, and I don't see that happening. Um, so to me, you know, if you find a way to stay competitive in a couple of these games, I mean, I'm sure out of the teams that are left, we're going to get, somebody's going to get to us. I mean, we're playing all top 25 teams in, in my eyes. I mean, you can say what you want about USC, but, you know, they're a pretty good football team, whether or not they're in the top 25 or not. I don't think it really matters. I mean, that's a, and they've demolished us in years past. So, I, I don't expect us to win another game. I think a lot of people don't want to hear that. I think a lot of people are going to say that means Mac is gone. Um, I, I can buy the argument, I suppose. But I, don't, I really don't like what that would do going forward. I think that probably means Levitt's gone. You have to keep that in mind. I think that probably means a lot of the recruits that we have in right now are gone. Right now, this class is, it will be the second best uh, class by Rivals rating since 2008. Uh, or the, the best one since 2008, I guess I should say. So to me, you have to keep all that stuff in mind when you're getting rid of somebody. I think it would be a mistake. Absolutely. And uh, Patrick, I'm going to throw this one to you. This one is also from Jake from BSN Denver. One being worst possible outcome, ten being the best. Where does this game rank for CU? This game? Like, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, it's obviously not the ideal outcome, but the way they the way they played is encouraging. Um, like Tyler said, I don't see another win on the table unless they play like this against Washington State. But Washington State's offense is maybe better than UCLA's. I don't know. That's hard to say. But uh, I, it's, they're probably going to get crushed by Stanford. So today might have been their best chance to win, and that's pretty crushing for this team. I don't know if they'll come closer the rest of this season unless something happens that we haven't foreseen. But you never know. Um, this was a pretty brutal result for this team, but it's not... It's, it's not as bad as getting blown out. It hurts more than getting blown out for fans, but it's it's an encouraging performance. What's the number, man? Uh, I want to put it right at five, but that's a cop-out. There were good things, and then they lost, and there were some really bad things. So uh, I'll say it was a six because I'm an optimist. Illinois buffed. Was it once again selfish for Sefo to stay in the game when obviously he had no arm strength in his arm? Sorry, Illinois buff. We we already touched on that. He also asked, was it Coach Mack's decision to leave Sefo in the game, or are the inmates running the asylum? Well, here I'll put it in the context this way: when Sefo Lufau separated his shoulder against Colorado State. He worked his way back in there quickly, and his first throw was a deep touchdown pass. So. If he's telling, if you're the coach and Sefo's telling you, I'm staying in the game, I can do this, I'm bound to believe him in that situation. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, to me, he, he looked like he was wrong a little bit for sure. But, I mean, there were no issues with the three previous throws. I mean, yeah, he made a bad throw, but Sefo is capable of doing that. And you're in a time crunch. you got to make plays. I mean, to me, him being hurt, in my opinion, had very little to do with the outcome of that game. Now, Matt Smith, I thought, had a really good tweet. Uh, that play where Sefo threw the interception, 
uh, Matt made the point that he felt they should have have uh, spiked it to stop the clock, catch their breath. And I, I totally agree with that. I, I feel like they were totally rushing. They were a little frazzled, a little unsure. I think that would have definitely been the smart decision. Of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's it's. Teams often don't use that enough. I mean, it gives you not a timeout necessarily, but a chance to catch your breath, regroup. What are we going to run? You know, make sure everybody's on the same page. And we obviously didn't do it. I mean, there's the other side of it that sometimes you want to keep the defense on their heels, but I felt UCLA was very much in control in that situation. It wasn't one of those situations where you would want to rush it. Yeah, I felt like that drive was slipping away from the Buffs really quickly. So, I mean, who knows what they would have done with it, but it, I think it would have helped them, and maybe Sefo doesn't throw a pick if he has some time to collect himself. Who knows? But it would have helped, I think. Travis at Colorado, TRV, Lindgren, period. Who does Mac replace him with? Okay. Yeah. He's, he's already made that decision. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have anybody off the top of my head. I know. It's kind of the same thing for me. Yeah, I think he's earned the discussion about him being replaced at this point. I do think he's earned that. Uh, but, I mean, off the top of my head, I don't have an answer for you about who's a better option for them there. You've got to be an amazing coordinator for, like, everybody like us to know all about you. Right. And, James, and chances are CU's not going to get that guy. Yeah. There are, I mean... Now, when they made the change with Kent Bear last year, a lot of people were very pessimistic, saying, who's going to want this gig, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, they got Jim Levitt and the rest, you know. So, I mean, there could be a really great offense coordinator out there. We just, obviously, they're, they're still, Brian Lindgren still good at job, so we're not 100% into delving into all of that quite yet. Buff Bites says, please ask who is responsible for evaluating players' health when a QB can barely walk. So, clearly... The fan base is obsessed on that on that situation, Sefo's injury late in the game. It was a big situation, but when we came back here to do the podcast, that wasn't the first or second thing on my mind from this game. Yeah, and I just think people are trying to hang on every single excuse they can as to why something didn't work out. They're, I mean, a lot of these people have already convinced themselves that Abse is the, the guy. I just don't know how many other ways to say that he's not the guy. It is interesting, though, that Apsay was the one that ran out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think... Where was Gerke? Yeah, I think it is interesting, but I'm not surprised given how they've handled that situation over the last right. few weeks. It seems like that's the route that they've gone. I'm shocked by that, honestly, based on what we've seen from him, but, you know, I don't know. Does George, do you think Jordan Gerke's here in a year? I mean, if he slipped down to third on the depth chart, he's a senior. No, he's gone. Well, that's all the questions. If, if, that, if that ends up remaining that way throughout yeah. the rest of the game. Well, that uh, is all the questions and comments that I'm seeing on Twitter right now. We'll kind of wrap up this show here pretty quickly. They return home. They host Stanford next week. And I, I was telling Patrick you know, earlier, this is one of those games you're kind of driving up, covering the game, and you're like, ugh, this is going to get ugly. Does today's result change your thinking at all there? I'm a, I honestly, here's the thing. Kevin Hogan is entirely capable of throwing up a complete clunker. Absolutely. Entirely true. So, in my eyes, yes, it could get ugly, but it also could not. I don't, I don't, Stanford is very good. I don't think they're nearly as elite as a lot of the other teams that have come in over at, at in Folsom in the last couple years. I'm not going to say we're going to win, <laughs> but I am going to say that there's a very good chance that we can stay with them, at least for a while, absolutely. I think, for me, I think this might be the blowout we see. Their offensive and defensive lines 
absolutely bury people and the bus lines have a tendency to get buried when up against it. So that's what concerns me is just Christian McCaffrey just goes absolutely bonkers and the lines just don't even stand a chance against that, that wall. Then they get USC at home on a Friday night. Sometimes those those type of games provide an electric atmosphere and a lot of times CU gets up to play in those games. USC, kind of like UCLA, can be a Jekyll and Hyde team. I'm not going to predict them, obviously, to win that game. That could be an interesting game as well at Washington State, at Utah. I would definitely say, without question, after today, I'm more optimistic that they have a chance to win one of these Final Four. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel that way. I, they're not going to be favored in any of them, obviously. Probably not even within double digits. Um, but, you know, something at some point is going to break our way. It has to, I feel like. And if, it, and if it happens in one of these four games, we'll definitely have a chance. I mean, I don't see us getting blown out in all four. I'll say that for sure. Somewhere along the way, we'll be competitive. I think so, too. I think uh, they've played Utah tight every year they've been in the Pac-12, so that game will be tighter than people expect. Washington State, you know, we'll, we'll learn a lot about Washington State tonight, but um, that game could be close. Um, USC, who knows? That's, you know, in two weeks, a lot can happen between now and then. So it's definitely encouraging. The Buffs will be more competitive than perhaps you thought before going into today. We are recording this right after the game, so we're not quite sure what's going to come of Sefo Lufau's medical situation going forward. If he had somehow separated that again, we saw the last time that happened, he was able to play through it with the adrenaline, and then the next few weeks he was not as effective. So that could be a, a real issue going forward. He finally got healthy, and it wasn't a, a true running play where he got you know injured again this time. So uh, that could be kind of a, obviously a, a main storyline that we'll be watching this coming week. Any last words before we sign off here, guys? Uh, it's the same, the same deal. Close but no cigar. Uh, we'll see how many more of these the Buffs go through this season. Um, but today is definitely a tough one to swallow for that team. Yeah, this is this is a tough one for sure. I mean, I felt the same way about Arizona. I really thought we had a chance to win that game as well. We came up short. Um, I don't know. It's it's tough, but I just I don't know. It's kind of weird because unlike last year when I was just like I don't care how close it is, you have to win games. This year I really do kind of feel like we are. We're to the point now. We're like we are right there, and it's just I'm, it's crushing my heart a little bit <laughs> to see it not happen for us. Because last year I was a lot more skeptical about how, how much better we were actually getting, and this year I really have bought into the hype. And I don't know. I just I kind of hope for Mac and the program's sake that there's a little bit of continuity going into next year, no matter what happens this year, because I really think it's important for the program. All right. Well, that's it. Recapping Colorado's loss to UCLA. Less than two weeks, guys, and hoop season starting. I'm not. I'm not quite ready for that. But you know, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa State. That'll be a fun one. Well, thanks again for the Blake Street Tavern for hosting us today. Chris Fusile runs the best sports bar in Denver. You got to get down here for for the next game. Uh, so thanks again uh, to the Blake Street Tavern. Ta Patrick wants to chime I'd like in to here. point out one thing. Tyler Ziskin is wearing a Ted costume as we record this. Yes. Just thought every the viewers, listeners would like to know that. Happy Halloween. Can you give us a, a Ted impersonation, Tyler? No. There's, there's a lot of swear words. You don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The Buff Stampede Radio Podcast is family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thanks again to the Blake Street Tavern. Good night.
as her body still.